0: Yeah, b'shem Hashem, Hashem. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. This week, the shir is dedicated by my daughter Gendel Bela, in honor of her upcoming birthday. Bar Lina Um. Today Kislev was the yard site of my grandmother, Shalom, and Miriam Basra Yosef. We've spoken many, many things, many times, many stories of my grandmother, so I don't know if we're going to actually go into any kind of, quote-unquote, eulogies. Of course, we'd like to dedicate her to Rufu to Eliza Shlamas, Bracha Basra Hinda, and also to Yisrael Khan Khanarasha. Um, both in very, very dire need of Rafuah Shalem, they should both have a Rechatsyam Rishonim. Lange Gesunte, Feyloch Yadim, to this we will say chaim. As tonight, more important than anything else, is of course your test Kislev. So, have a cup and have a chaim. If seltzer is your drink, then the drink of choice, so be it. If it's bright, if it's Fresca, if it's whatever it may be. Yes, yeah, slowly, please. Chayim, Chayim, It only be proper, of course, to start it off right, but to, to do it right with a proper G'tyam Tev, Okay, I don't know if that was heard over the recording. Which is the traditional greeting, of course, as we were told by the Rabbim, on this day of Yutes Kislev. Yotes Kislev, we will discuss the Yerza Hashem. So tomorrow. Tonight is Jitez Kislev, Hashanah the Chasidus. But more importantly, we will begin, of course, as every week, with the Parsha Shavuah, Parsha Vayeshev. A very, very thorough, powerful Parsha. A Parsha with. We could almost say, if we would be able to say it on Tera, of drama from the dreams of Yosef to the selling of Yosef to the birth of Mashiach and then the beginning of the exile as Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim please don't be shy the beginning of the Parsha Taylor tells us that Yosef had two dreams and he decided to tell the dreams to share the dreams with his brothers and as he shared the re- dreams with his brothers he didn't get the proper reaction he didn't get a good reaction it wasn't going to get him any votes shall we say so much so the it tells us chapter 37, verse 11 his brothers actually envied him or angry or disgusted or despised they developed a tremendous distaste for him but his father in turn held it back and Rashi Turns to the the Mikra and tells the the Mikra, what does it mean? How did he hold? What is Vait He would wait, he waited and anticipated when he will come. Of course, referring to the gula Mitas. According to Drush. As we know we've discussed, Teda is explained, Pshat, Remez, Drush and Said. According to Drush, it is known the general concept explained in this parsha. Don't only go on Yaakov Avinu, doesn't only discuss Yaakov Avinu, but rather all the brothers of the tribes. Yeseif. And each one is a separate entity. But not only is it a biography, not only is it a discussion, but rather it teaches each and every one of us a lesson for generations to come. As we know by the work of our forefathers is a lesson to each and every one of us how to behave, how to act, And so much so, so, even more so, when we refer to, when we make reference to an act such as the other of This is a hint how we need to anticipate what we need to wait for. The fact that Yaakov was waiting when he will come This refers to that each and every Jew needs to wait to aspire the coming of Mashiach, And we find in the continuation of the Psukim the words of Rashi Vechein, and Emunim, and so too are the ones that keep the emuna, keep the faith, and as she explains, Shem and refers to the fact that Bnei Yisrael Mechakim Mitzapim for the Emunasei Shalach Olis Baruch Hu Legol Ami We re- we believe totally, fullheartedly that the Almighty is going to redeem us from this exile. And this too was by Yaakov's actions of Mamtin Umitzape in order to be Mechayim the fulfillment. Of the dream of Yosef, at Tzaddik, the maluchas of Yosef over all his brothers, and he anticipated: when will this actually come? When will it materialize? The coming of Mashiach ben Yosef, which, of course, is agdama to Mashiach ben David. It's like deviation. the drama of Yasef of and his dreams, to go off a moment, we find that the story goes on, or not a story, but the happening that continues, Yasef is told to go see where his brothers are, what his brothers are up to, and he comes out to the fields, he comes out and asks, the Ish, the person, the Rashi tells us, refers to a malach that was standing in the fields. Have you seen my brothers? Now needless to say in those days, he couldn't track them with the GPS. You couldn't um, get a drone to go up and find them. But yet this person said, I heard they were going to the Sainah. They're going to the Sainah. And so Yosef, very faithfully, picks himself up and follows the path to know. Taylor tells us, as we all know, as he falls into the hands of his brothers, each one has a different opinion as to what has to happen with Yosef. The ultimate psak, the ultimate judgment, was that Yosef was a snitch. He spoke Lashon Hara about them. And the sin, or actually the corporal punishment of Lashon Hara was death by poison, by a snake. And therefore, they tried, and they juried, and they put him up against everyone's tribunal, and it was decided that he should be sold, some he decided he should be killed, Luvain said, hold on, hold him in the ditch, I have to go home now to father, someone have to be with the father. I have to go home now until we can, until I come back. Let's not get rash. Let's not do anything. Reuben, of course, looking to save Yisav Sadik's life. And Reuben says something very interesting. And the trader tells us that he says, there's an empty ditch. There's an empty ditch and therefore let's throw him into this empty ditch. We'll throw him into the empty ditch and we will see what to do with him. Why would that be a decisive moment to see what will be with him? Rashi tells us this is again chapter 37, verse 12. The ditch was empty and had no water. And Rashi tells us, the Gemara says, for those who are keeping score at home, it's Masech the Shabbos, Chav the beginning of Amar Aleph, 22, side 1. Mayim Aimbay for your grandchildren. Avon Nechoshim V'Akravim There was no water, but if there's a ditch with no water, then it means... There are snakes and scorpions. Lulai's intention continuing, as the Chazal tell us. Again, keeping score at home, it's Baba Kama Yudzayin seventeen, side one. When we refer, when we refer, we make reference to water. Ein mayim elotera. Hence the same is a hint to what happened here when they said Ein bay mayim. Mayim ein bein nechashem There are no water but there are snakes and scorpions and therefore the Reuven says we will be judging him that very way. Throw him into the pit if he is indeed chayev miso the snakes and scorpions will dealt him the... the punishment. If however he is not he will survive the death, he will survive the snakes and the scorpions. And so it's done. Yisaf is thrown into a ditch. But why? The Teda which is a lesson to us why is the Teda telling us Ha mayim, 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 as we say, refers to teda. If the mind of a person is not osuk bedivrei teda, is not involved with learning of teda, is not involved in serving God, tells us the teda nechosim vakravim yeshboi it becomes full with clippus and sitrachle. Sure. Even when someone is doing something that is a a, a something that is legal, that is nothing, that is not available, there is no sin, there is no, nothing prohibitive about it. But if he's not doing it for aved, Hashem is bare, that's Immediately, when Ain by Mayim the Tera and God is not involved, it becomes Rechashim <laughs> va'Kravim, snakes and scorpions. Rahman. <laughs> al and the Balshemtov is brought down from the Balshemtov in Tavos and Rivash, which, according to most opinions, is from the Balshemtov. On the V'sartem v'avaretem <laughs> you will turn and you will serve other gods. When a person separates himself from the path of God, immediately he starts to serve idols. There's no happy medium. You're either serving God, or you're God forbid. And this is therefore the point this is the point that the Taylor tells us by this. Ruben, dear, dear Ruben, in America they would tell you, what were you thinking? Because when Ruben comes back, when Yoshev Ruben, when Ruben comes back to the ditch, yeah, it was no water, and it was no Yosef. But Yoshev Ruben, he returns to the He was not there during the sale. Okay, cool. Why, says Rashi? <laughs> from the story that took place in the previous parsha, from the happening, where Rubain mistreated his father, he couldn't come to terms with it. And therefore, as the Altarebbe says in today, the last portion of the Tanya, as we make a siyam today on the Tanya, and the Altarebbe writes that in those days people would fast, With Daven. If the generation, as the generation now has become weaker, people cannot fast, there's other solutions. Redemption with tzedakah, thank you. Etc. But the main point and focal point in time in history was to fast. To punish the body. With confused here? Reuven knew the intentions of his brothers. They wanted to kill Yosef, No more or less. I don't care what you're busy with in your own Aveda. You're Sakai and Tanisa. You're wonderful. You're repenting. But sit here and do it. Don't leave these guys alone with Yosef. What were you thinking? You knew that they were out there with blood on their hands, blood on their teeth. They only had one intention for Yosef. So was he leaving him for to the wolves? And what's the steira? Sackir tanisay, sit here with you. Sackir tanisay, sit here, fast, sit here with you sit with your sack and cloth, and watch over Yosef like you think you were doing. Why go elsewhere? Simply explained. Bossik says before this, prior to this. Before Reuven leaves, Lechem, his brother sat down to eat. When they sat down for a good meal, Ruben could not possibly stay there. He couldn't be near there. Because he was fasting. In that case, if everyone's sitting down to a meal and they're eating, and Reuben, who's fasting, is also sitting down, why are you here? Ah, you're here to hear what we're talking about. You're here just to listen and to spy on us. You're here to try to catch us by something. Now, <laughs> It's difficult to explain. But fact is, the Shvatim were the they were holy people. Each one of them was a holy person. And each one of them had holy, holy neshamas. They were the children of Yaakov Avinu. But, as you read the parasha, we to get a different opinion of these kids. And after all, they beat the sonata of that little brother. <laughs> they couldn't take his dreams. They couldn't talk. They had a jealousy developed because this brother is dreaming and they interpreted it. He doesn't interpret the dream, mind you. If you read in the Teda Yesem's dreams, he doesn't say he interprets it. He just says, this was my dreams. I had a dream that we were all gathering the Stalks and my stalks to the middle, and everybody's bowed down to mine. I had a dream that we had this cloud, the stars, and the moon, and the sun, and they stood up. But he doesn't say, So that means that you're all going to bow down to me. He doesn't finish that sentence. He never translates the dream. But who translates it? The brothers. Now, the fact of the matter is, according to Halakha, the way a dream is translated, that's how it comes out. Mm-hmm. So the truth to be told, as it was they made their own bed. The bed they made their bed, they sleep in it, yeah. as we say in America. They made their own bed, and they said to him, Oh, that means you're going to rule over us, that means we're going to bow down to you. And ultimately they even say to him, No, Let's see what's going to happen now with those dreams. Now, in truth, of course, they were very righteous people, as we said. And therefore, it was actually a prophecy what they said. Now we're going to see what happened to your dreams. They set the fruition of the dreams into motion. They set the wheel, they set the wheel rolling. So Yerube could not sit with these people. Because although they were righteous, they had, I'm not even going to tell you that they had, God forbid, a, flips another side to them, they had a wrong intentions in their minds. We can't talk that way about Shifta Yudkei, and we can't talk about any Jew. As we spoke that God wouldn't even talk Lashon Hara on Esav. So therefore, he had to walk away. And it wasn't as if he could deceive his brothers and sit down with them and make believe he's not eating us, turn the things in his plate. He was wearing a sack. So you saw that this man was in, 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 in repentance mode, as we say it. Therefore, he had to go away. He had to go to take make a distance between himself and his brothers at the time. Never mind the medrash that tells us that he went to look after his father. The regular, simple shot. He could not be sitting together with his brothers because they knew that, that they would know that this is what he was implying by doing so. Ultimately, and we spoke many many times about this, we've told this many times. Ultimately in time in time in history, later, years later, with the Roman Emperor calls in ten great Sadikim, and he says to them and this is known as the Asora Aruge Malchus, something that's on Yom Kippur we recite in the middle of the Aveda. Antishabov it's recited in the middle of the kinnas. It's something that's one of the highest. Excuse me. One of the highest levels of abnegation, the Messiah Nefesh. He calls in the ten holy sages, the emperor, and he says to them, "Tell me, please, Halocha. What does your Torah say?" If someone sells his brother, what is the punishment? And unanimously they said, punishment is by death. Aha, says the king, who died for the sale of Yosef. Therefore, said the emperor, no one has been ever at such a high level as the ten brothers until you today. The ten of you today are replaceable of the ten brothers, the ten children of Yaakov. Ya, ya, ya- ya- the ten warriors. Question becomes: How did he equate them? Apparently, each one of them came from a different Shevet. and therefore, each one represented the different one of the shvatim. The problem that he had was little tricky Yisuf got sold they were 12 brothers in total Yisuf was sold, makes it 11 mm-hmm. Binyamin was a little boy he was home, he was 10 but we just learned that Reuven wasn't there either so there was only 9 Shows the ten. there was only 9, who's number 10 so if we look at the 10 of the Sardar we find the Holy of Holy, Rabbi Akiva, did not come from any Shevet. Rabbi oh, yeah. Akiva was Ben-Gedim, mm-hmm. son of converts. The 10th and the tenth one, the ten martyrs, and the tenth one that they were metz that they oh, wow. brought together for the Mechidus Yosef, was HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They told the Almighty, you are the tenth one in the sale. And therefore, the tenth one in the Almighty's stead was Rabbi Akiva. We see, therefore, that nothing here is only a story, nothing here is only a happening. We see, of course, also, the Pasuk says that later, the story of the birth of Mashiach, Yehuda goes to Timnah. The apostle says, <speaking in Hebrew> Your father in law is going up to Timnah. Chapter 38, verse 13. <speaking in Hebrew> Rashi explains by <speaking> Shimshin, <Hebrew> it says, Vayeded Shimshin, Timnasa. Shimshon went down to Timna. He was on the incline of the mountain. From this side you go up, or from this side you go down. <laughs> were you going up or going down? Some people complain when they have a very long walk. We were in Scranton, Pennsylvania for Shabbos. And <laughs> we were in Scranton, Hi, Scranton. He can't wave. Okay, he doesn't have a picture on. Um, we have somebody here from Scranton online. We were in Scranton. Scranton is full of hills. And you walk to shul, you walk for ten minutes, uphill both ways. <laughs> 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 uphill going, uphill going back. You're always walking uphill. When did I go down? It's constantly going uphills there. Can I not? People are all very, very fit in Scranton, Pennsylvania because they do a lot of walking uphills. So, to explain here the aylim and the yerdin, on a mountain, for those of you who have ever done mountain climbing, there's no stopping. (laughs) You don't stop for a breather, you gotta keep moving. You stop for a breather, you're just going to go backwards. You're on a slant, on a pitch. So, also, in our Avedit today, Vishnu, our service to God, it's impossible for a person to say, okay, I'm satisfied, or as they say in America, I'm good. I'm a Jew at heart. I once asked somebody that. He says to me, "He's a Jew at heart." I said, "I don't know about you. I take my Judaism very seriously, and I know my Judaism is very, very vast. I also know, when I learned in school, is the heart is only the size of my fist or your fist. How do you put all your Judaism in that one little heart? (laughs) You must be amazing." A person may not be happy only with what he has, where he's holding in spirituality. A person is on a mountain and always on an incline. In a matzav of sakon aruchniyis, a situation of spiritual danger, you may not rest for a moment. For one will trip, shalom, will fall this is what we talk about when we say the city Timnah the mountain was on an incline it doesn't say he sat or he stood, he traveled he went up or he went down for when you stand on one place you end up going backwards told the story by the many previous urim of uh, the fellow that um, was told by his brother the marshal of the قصيدس of yiravol means that a person needs to constantly climb constantly strive to go higher and higher and mm-hmm. He wasn't religious yet, the brother. But his brother had learned here in Kabat. And the brother went back to Crown Heights and he stayed home. A few weeks later, his brother in Crown Heights invited him to come over. And he came for a Shabbos to his brother. And he walked into the house, he saw a picture of the Rebbe prominently displayed and he passed out. They woke him up. What's not, What happened to you? And he explained that after you explained, you told me this example of ilov of rising higher and higher. I had a dream that night. That I was mountain climbing. I was climbing on the mountain, and I was out of breath. I couldn't move anymore. I put my, I don't know what the tools called. It's not an eye, it's an eye, no, it's whatever it is. I pegged myself into the stone and I held myself up. Okay. I anchored myself, but I was breathing heavily and I I needed, I didn't know which way to go. Suddenly, this man with a flowing beard standing there started to wave his hand. Keep going! Each time he waved his hand I got rejuvenated. I got strength to move higher and higher. And I was able to go up and get reach the peak of the mountain. So I'd never seen that man before, I had no idea who it was until I walked into your house. That's the man. Now I didn't the last Shabbos is the story that went around here that circulated. Was a story of David, a vision tzchassid, who lives in Williamsburg. Very powerful story. And he told that when during the war, I'm going to make it very short, so we can go back to Yutaskislev. During the war, he ended up in a little orphanage in Marseille. And this orphanage in Marseille, children were in. They were, had a roof over their heads, and they were basically protected from the Nazis. But there wasn't always what to eat. And one day, a nice Jewish man came in and brought bread and bagels and fish, sardines or tuna, whatever it was. And he gave everybody to eat. And those who didn't want to eat, he made sure they sat down and they ate with him. And the younger ones he took on his lap and he sang to them, he told them stories, and he fed them, spoon fed them. Now we didn't know who this was, so we referred to him as Monsieur. Mister. And Monsieur came every single day faithfully and looked after the children. And he gave the children such a feeling of happiness and love. He says, I remember an 11-year-old boy who was from the bigger boys already then, was jealous of the little children getting so much attention and love. He also made that he, didn't, he wasn't eating So that the Monsieur should take him and feed him as well. Anyway, this is the war passed. We returned home. We returned to our families miraculously. And I came to New York. And I was living here in Williamsburg. And my uncle said, I made you an appointment to have a private audience with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. It was 1957, Tavshin Yudzayin. made you an appointment to go into Yechidus with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He said, why not? And he came to 770, and his turn finally came in to go to the Rebbe, which he also describes at great length how he went through that. And as he walks into the Rebbe, the Rebbe looks at him and says, this Here's Dumbledu he was shocked. How does the Rebbe know his name? Did they call in, tell the Rebbe who's coming in or what? How is it possible the Rebbe knew what his name is? But then he started to look at the Rebbe and he recognized the Rebbe was Monsieur. The Rebbe was that man in Marseille that used to come feed them every day. Very discreetly, obviously. So this is a very, very poignant moment, very touching, touching story of not necessarily a miracle, not necessarily a story that tears the wa- paper off the walls, but such a powerful, powerful lesson how the Rebbe looked after little children, took care of them. You test your slave. Chagag'ula. The Yomtiv, the Al Tereba, comes out of Gijail. For those of you who are doing what they're supposed to be doing and learning Hayyim Yam on a daily basis, the Hayyim Yam tells us of the great Yomtiv of Yitzhak Yislev. There are many stories, there's a of Yitzhak Yislev. The Polish Chassidim referred to it as Yat slave. But internationally, worldwide, all you did know of Yitz Kislev as al The Magid was nostalgic on Yitz It was Yitzh Magid. When the alt returned after his imprisonment to the Yajna story has it that he didn't end up in his apartment he ended up in the apartment of an antagonist the Misnagid and the Misnagid was lacing it into him for quite a while until the Ksidra went to look for the Rebbe and found him in the guy's apartment later the Rebbe said that those hours that he spent with the Misnagid who actually gave him food and tea, whatever it was, and being a host, he did not want to insult could not insult him. But those were more painful, Those out, that time was more painful, than all the 50 plus days, that Terebbe sat in jail. Why is it in jail for teaching? For Of course, you know, the famous story, the Terebbe yeah. was in jail, in a very small, solitary confinement cell, and he was visited by the Magid and the Balshem physically. This is quite the time after they passed on to the next world. And he asked, why? Why is this happening to me? What are they doing to me? And they said that your spreading Hasidus has caused tremendous, tremendous tumult. The Maila and the Sultan is going off his mind from it. And therefore the decree was put upon you to be put in prison. The Altarebbe asked, should I stop if I get out? When I get out, should I stop? And they said, no. Once you started this ball rolling, you have to keep it going stronger and stronger. (laughs) Altarebbe tells a story, let's take a few short stories of Altarebbe. A story of they arrived in a town he was traveling on his way back from his rich and he came into an inn a Jewish inn he couldn't couldn't move anymore his feet were frozen and he was in danger of losing his feet from frostbite and he came into the inn and the innkeeper brought him in and sat him down and revived him and massaged his legs and he asked the innkeeper I look around here I don't a shul. What do you do about me and davening? Something. Tells him when sometimes I go to the town and sometimes Yam Neroyim high holidays. He says, Why don't you just move to the town? He says, Rebbe, <laughs> how will I support myself? I'm living here for almost 50 years. The Rebbe asked him, how many people live in the town? He says about a hundred families. So the Rebbe said, the Kaddish Baruch Hu find Parnassah for a hundred families, he can't find for a hundred and one. By the way, he says, the Rebbe, I'm a student of the Mazit Shemagit. Alright? The Rebbe went went into his room. A short time later, he came out, he saw the whole inn is packed up. Effort. So to my eye, what's going on over here? He said, you told me to move. <laughs> you told me to go to town. You know. Salat so Rebbe says, Yibakuk, this old man had such a shooter. After fifty years, he gave up everything because the Talmud of the magi told him to, hinted it. Al Rebbe had a saying: halt on, gehalten, mein klamke wird nicht on Shuva Whoever held on to my doorknob won't die without repenting. The Freedic Rebbe said, quoted in saying, this refers to Davening Nuskhari. There was a Chos the Meshulim Kuras. He said, holding on to the Rebbe's doorknob means, even if you didn't get into the room, you just got to the door and touched the doorknob, that would be sufficient. And they tell a story of a Jew in Oshna who was not from. And he went and he held on to the doorknob of the Alta Rebbe. And he used to say, Ah, I will not die without shuvah because I held on to the Rebbe's doorknob. One Shabbos, random he showed up in shul. He showed up in shul. So they gave him an aliyah. After he made the bracha on the aliyah, he burst out crying. He was so moved to pieces, he did complete shuvah and died on the spot. As the al said, the person does not die without doing shuva. More powerfully so, I've told many times that we had a little issue when we were Bacharim, that people wanted to write a letter to the Rebbe. We were full of trepidation. If you write the letter and the Rebbe tells you something and you don't follow instructions 100%, God forbid the repercussions. And this is based on a story of a chassad of the Al-Tarebbe who was walking on the street and he found a letter the Al-Tarebbe wrote to one of the chassidim. And reading it he understood horrific story with this chassad. This guy was bad news, he had some really bad secrets as we say. He was even more shaken Because Dalt Rebbe wrote on the side, when you finish reading the letter, tear it up and burn it. Chassid was very upset. First of all, learning about his fellow Chassid. And secondly, the rashness of his fellow Chassid, not following instructions. And look what happened now. The repercussions are that I have to read this thing. And he went to curse out the guy. And the guy himself was shocked. He said, As soon as I finished reading this letter, I took it, I ran over to the stove, and I threw the letter in. What must have happened? Before the paper got a chance to catch on fire, the exhaust of the chimney grabbed it and pulled it out the chimney. Hence, bring it out to the street. You see, says in the Mashpia, you must listen to every little instruction. The Rebbe said, tear it up, shred it first, and then throw it into the fire. Choset felt that throwing it into the fire would be sufficient. But if the Rebbe said, tear it up, that's what he needed to be doing. the Magid made many trips to this Chesidim. Chesidim were referred to as Chabraya Kadisha, the Holy Brotherhood. And there was one inn that they decided to stop at overnight. The innkeeper was very excited to have the Maggid in his inn. He knew of them as a Magid. He gave them a beautiful meal, set up very comfortable beds. But before going to sleep, the innkeeper came over to the maggid and said, honestly I had a very, very big question to ask the Rebbe. for his advice. but I never got around to coming to you. <coughs> yeah, we already announced that. Johnny come lately. He said I have this question I would like to ask it's a very urgent matter. The Maggid turned to the Al and he said, You see my student here, Shizalman? He's got a glycha He has a straight head. Not only that, he says, He has the nisham of the rambam. So the Maggid said about the Al And he'll merit to have a son like me. <coughs> Do what he says. So the innkeeper followed the Rebbe's instructions and he went over and he asked Al He said, for many years I've earned the livelihood of this inn. But lately they raised the taxes very high. The rent went up very high. And I'm not capable. Should I move to a different inn? On the other side of the river there's a better inn. Should I move or not? And the Rebbe told him, Gimara says, M'sha'anamakal, of Barak. Move. Change of place brings a change of one's fortune, goodness, and blessings. Next morning, the Rebbe woke up. He finished davening, whatever he did. And he saw the innkeeper standing and waiting in the middle of the empty inn. It's bare. The walls are bare. And nobody's around, no tables, no chairs, nothing. The innkeeper explained from the Gemara it says, Mimenu Eitzah. Get advice from him. You gave me an Eitzah, I gotta do what you told me. Immediately. As soon as you told this to me, I packed everything up and I moved it across the river. I had a ship, a ferry. And if I I like, took everybody else across the ferry, you're the last guy. And the Altareva got on the boat, and as they're traveling across the river, a giant lighten- bolt of lightning came down, and the entire inn went up in flames. The new one the old one? The old one. Oh. In Chernigov, there was a famous Chassid, Very smart, rich fellow, distinguished man. Beautiful mansion, wealth, honor, everything. And was a very meticulous person when he came to Tadim Mitzvah as well. He kept everything he had to. Word got out one day that the nobleman heard Lashon Hara about this rich Jew, as well as other wealthy people, that they were cheating on the taxes. Mm. It was very large money. And to be facing serious charges. The Jews of the city, uh uh-oh, he's flashing his badge. Department of Treasury, IRS, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) One of the fields in Atlanta, Georgia, works the IRS. No, the two of them ultimately, everybody effort, did all the effort that they could to try to save them, and try to deter this. Two were arrested, and they were sent to Siberia. Before he left to Siberia, he was sitting in prison in Chernigov, and the Rav of Chernigov was a chassid, Rebdav He sent a message he needs to meet Rebdav before he goes. Rebdav Tzvi came in, Man started to cry. <coughs> and he said, I admit I did wrong. I use a Chabad Siddur. I use Nuskari. I don't to the Rebbe's thing. And that makes me a Chasid. But sitting in jail, I see... What it means to have munab shute munak shlema in the Rebbe. Over three years ago, he says, I traveled from Pet, to Petersburg first class, like I usually do. One of the conductors who knows me called me over, came over to me and said that the Rebbe was on the train. If you want, I'll open the door to the Rebbe's chamber and you'll be able to see him.' This was exciting. I was petrified, but I said, Yeah. And I came over and he opened the door and I saw the Rebbe's holy face. I was shocked, I was frozen. The Rebbe immediately felt my look, called me inside. Mm-hmm. The Rebbe opened a golden box of cigarettes and said, you smoke, take a cigarette. It's is a feeding Rebbe. The Rebbe spoke to me like a friend. He asked details about my Gashmias, my is how I conducted my household, everything he was asking. In the middle of the talking, the Rebbe stopped a few moments and said, you're in the palaces of ministers and all these other people. You know that the government is planning on building a iron tracks for a railroad to Siberia. <coughs> you have enough pull. Use your pull and get the contract. You'll you become very wealthy. I shook my head and I said, okay, thank you, and I said goodbye. I went back to my seat. I was stunned for a long time, the guy says. Couldn't understand what the Rebbe said to me, Michal. I should move to Siberia? What do I do in Siberia? Work so hard over there. I'm not used to this stuff. I make money easier here. He says, because of my great sins, I'm ending up in Gullus. The Rebbe saw I had to be in Siberia. He offered me the opportunity to go like a tzaddik, to go like a rich man. and to even make money doing it. But I didn't listen. I turned him down, and now I'm going in chains. When the Altareb was arrested, khsidim was sick from it. The black wagon that came meant the death penalty. (coughs) And there was a chassid in the city of Statov saw this and fainted. As much as they tried to revive him, they couldn't do it. They thought he was going to die. Someone came up with the idea and he screamed in his ear, Oh, it's okay, the Rebbe is going home. As soon as he said that, he woke up again. But he didn't really wake up, and he also knew, ultimately the Rebbe was still under arrest. He was very broken, and he fasted, Mondays and Thursdays, ultimately, Yud Ches slave, which was today, the Rebbe was freed, he was released, he was told he was going to be freed, Chesed was fasting, towards evening, Earlier to his the they said, the outside of the Masit Shemagid, sitting at a Magid. They drank Mashka and everything. Chosin was very tired, he fell asleep at the Fabren. The, Har- the Haradoka, Haradoka came to him in a dream. And he said to him, Although you're a Makushas to the Al and not to me, you're connected to the Al I will tell you a secret. Only chesidim that are truly Makusha to the Rebbe, have the Rebbe come to them and reveal what I'm going to tell you happens above. Today, as you know, is the Yemelullah of the Mzit the Rava magid. And in the Yemelullah, the Tzadik says, And all the Nesham has come to hear him. describing what happened in heaven. The Mendel listed all of the shemis that came to hear the tale of the maggot and exactly where they sat, the positions. Excuse me, to the right of the maggot that Rizal to his left, etc. The maggot spoke, and concluding his talk, burst into tears and said, "My student Zalman is sitting in Tviiza. Chasidis is in danger. I am asking all of you a favor." suddenly Rabbi Shimon bar Yechai peered. He arranged a Bezlin which concluded that the Altarebbe had to be freed. This the Chassid heard from Mandel HaRadaka of what happened in heaven in a dream. And at that point, immediately they heard that the Altarebbe was indeed released at that very moment when the Ariza, when the Shimon said he should be released. And so we should take Yutes and Chof this Yom T'Lokha and we should take the kechas of this Geula and unfortunately tomorrow I have to do a Levaya of Meir Ben Yehuda a man who was one of the soldiers that liberated Buchenwald a man that I had this skus about tw- 15 years ago inviting him to our yeshiva in Ocean Parkway and he told the story to the children and you have children in yeshiva I don't know if you might know it or not know it there are some children who get a little rowdy a little wild and we were wondering should we keep these kids out should we take these kids out and not have them there they shouldn't disturb he himself doesn't look like this distinguished fellow He was a, but he had he carried himself we said no, 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 everybody should be inside you could hear a pin drop throughout his entire story the children did not move they were mesmerized by this man's story fortunately he passed away yesterday and um, had to wait for his brother to come up from Florida so the lie is only tomorrow morning and uh, he'll have to first unfortunately i will be officiating the funeral and um, and oh. we should be Zechat, the Kitz of My grandmother Niafar, my grandmother's Shalom, Teresa, etc., and all the others. And we should, the Rebbe, the Sidereino, the Alta Rebbe, leading us, and all the Neshamas of the Rebbeim are all one Neshama, and therefore, as the Rebbe, Rebbeim should lead us out of Gullahs. <coughs> and this very Shabbos we should be, in Yerushalayim Shalayim, Shabbat. Shalom to all. Um.